guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. That is five years of goodness. Come on, come on. So good. Well, we are so excited that all of you are here to celebrate with us today. It has been a crazy five years. How many of you guys have been here for five years? Crazy, crazy. Look at them, yes. Hey, um, we launched a church, and two years later, we went into a global pandemic, and we're still here. (laughs) We survived it. We opened Big Thrift and Outreach Center, and we're still here. (laughs) And you guys, we have hosted so many great events and done so many good things in the community in the past five years. So happy birthday, because without you, we wouldn't have been able to do any of this. Come on, party favor time. Let's get them in your mouth. Come on, blow them hard. Come on. There we go. There we go. You know, sometimes to appreciate where you are or where you're going, you have to go back to where you were, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about the early days. And, and, you know, you're looking at some pastors up here that were kind of a mess. And I think she's still a mess sometimes. But uh, no, we're both still a mess sometimes. But, uh, but you know, we've, we had failed. We were broken. A lot of y'all have heard the same story. But, you know, we, had, we were actually condemned by our past and thought that God was kind of overpassing us. There's no way that we could actually do anything to impact the kingdom. And, but we knew we just couldn't sit. If you've been around this one here long enough, you don't just get to sit. Sometimes I just want to sit. She's like, no, let's get up. Let's go do something. Come on now. But we knew we couldn't sit. And when we started going to a church, we got some healing going on and God birthed the word real in us. And I don't know if you've been around us enough to know that we're pretty real. We pretty much tell you what we think. Well, she does. Uh, we pretty much tell you what we think. And, and, and not just that, but we live our lives out real to you because we sit up here in this chair that doesn't make us sit up on a pedestal. It doesn't make us sit, you know, anywhere that we're here. We've had the same, some of the same struggles that you guys have had coming on. So I just want to let you know that God birthed that real in us. And when we started thinking of a name, we came up with a cool logo. And, and she said, this is going to cost us $100 to get this logo. And I went, oh my gosh. Hey, listen, back then a hundred dollars was a thousand dollars to me, you know, but we, we birthed the refuge, but a refuge is a safe place. It's a shelter from uh, the outside forces. And we wanted a place where people like us could come and find no judgment, uh, find forgiveness and find healing. And that's carried over into big church too. Did you have something to say? I was going to let you. Oh, okay. Sorry. But we wanted to show people also that God's not done with you. Listen, come on. Can I get an amen on that? God is not done with you. We just came out of a, a whole series called Unqual- or Qualified, and we talked about a lot of people that were unqualified for, for what God called them to do. And, and man, I'm going to tell you something. We are probably one of the least qualified people when you come down to birthing ministry. But we talk about David and Peter. We talk about Rahab. And God can use people if they're willing. But we go back to the beginning, Zechariah, we put a little scripture in it. You're going to get some Bible this morning, Genesis to Revelations. Here we go. Zechariah 4.10 says this, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices, listen, to see the work begin. Wow. Sometimes we're, we're so worried about the end result, God just wants us to get started where we're at. 
So we went out in Mount Washington, Kentucky. Can I get an amen from Mount Washington, Kentucky? We got some Washingtonites over here. That wasn't even the right word, was it? I've had so much coffee this morning. It's awesome. Um, but we rented our first building. And let me sh let's show that up there, Tommy. Um, our first building, which was this. And if you're from Mount Washington, you will recognize this place right here. This is Cindy's consignment. If you notice above it, there are some apartments. I will get to that in just a moment. But we went into this thing, we found this, and we painted, we went in and cleaned it all up, and I can remember there's been many days it was just me and you doing most of the work, and uh, we spent all the savings, my mom gave us uh, X amount of dollars, we spent every dime on that trying to pay the rent forward ahead, of, because we didn't know if we were going to take up an offering, we didn't know what was going to happen, uh, what, was gonna, what was actually going to happen, so we paid our rent ahead. And we started just doing the old school canvassing the neighborhood. Y'all know what I mean? You go knocking on doors and people think you're crazy, think you're trying to sell them something. Well, we was trying to sell them Jesus. But we were trying to tell them he's pretty free though. All you gotta do is just, and you can get freedom in him. But we were, we were canvassing the neighborhoods and, and we really felt good and we, we built this thing up and we had our first launch service, right? We had about 30 plus people showed up and they were? They were all adults and they all went to another church. And so we kind of looked at each other and was like, ooh, what's next week gonna look like? No, we actually were excited. I mean, we were like, well, yes, we were this is awesome. we excited that yeah. 30 people showed up, but then reality set in afterwards and was like, wait, they go to that church, they go to this church, they go to that church. And we ain't about taking people from other people's churches. God has a call on our church and he'll bring the ones that he wants, right? And so, um, yeah. Sorry, we got off a little bit there, but uh, that was good. We, but the next week, we started, I know, I'm telling you, I've had wait. I feel like Kevin went on th three expressos already or whatever. <laughs> Whew, okay. But we were excited. You know, we did have 30 plus people, but the next week we showed up and it was about five till six and we started at six and there was <laughs> nobody there except for me and uh, Pastor Mindy and another couple and the two boys and... 605 rolled around, 610 rolled around, still nobody. And I thought, oh my gosh, God, did we miss this? I mean, you know, what, what do you've got planned for us? And Kenan at that time was 15 or 16. 16 years old. Yes, mm -hmm. and he recalled back something. We had a, uh, do you want to tell that story about Donnie coming in? Yeah, we had some friends come in from South Carolina. And um, their daughter was in ministry. And he sat at our kitchen table. And he was like, well, tell me your vision. So we did. And he was like, halfway through, he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's prophetic. You ever been around prophetic people? Stop. So he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it was like that look, like the Holy Ghost was speaking to him. And then we were like, uh. He said, I see thousands of young people around you. And we were like, oh, bless his heart. Not today. <laughs> and we had said, I mean, we had said nothing about young people at all. We were going to canvas neighborhoods. We were looking for broken people who had been through divorce, been through, you know, trying to have a, we thought it was going to be an adult uh, ministry. And when he said that, we, uh, I was like, yeah, you know how old I am? I'm not, I can't be a youth pastor. I can't even fit in those skinny jeans. But yes, I can now today. <laughs> But anyway, Keenan said, uh, he reminded us, he said, hey, do you remember what Donnie said we're, we're supposed to be about young people? And at that time, Facebook was just starting to like really explode. Or I don't know much about social well, media. Well, it had been around for a couple years, so. To me, it was exploding. <laughs> and 
The beauty of us being called to young people, when we finally realized it that night, we actually didn't realize it, but we decided, okay, it's been prophesied, let's pray. <laughs> Why didn't we think about that to begin with? We one. just did it. We were like, oh, no. Um, so that night, the kids and uh, the adults got together, and we began to pray, and then we asked for strategy, and at that point, my boys were in high school, so I just started Facebooking all their friends. <laughs> hey, I'm your friendly neighborhood mom. Come to my church. You said that wasn't church. weird at the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So anyway, um, and then... We started going to ball games. We just started hanging out with these young people, and within five or six weeks, we had about 150 kids coming almost every Sunday night. And... I'm going to tell you what, I didn't, I remember the first altar call we gave at Refuge, and some of you all have been around from the beginning. I remember I'm standing up there, me and her, and all of a sudden we have 100 young people at the altar. And I was like, what in the world are we going to do with all these kids? But man, as we started uh, speaking to them, as we started speaking into their lives, man, I, we found out, I found out how, what a broken, broken world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And to see these 13 to, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old people just pouring their hearts out. It just birthed something in us to where, hey, we knew we were on mission whenever we did that. But, so, but God moves. But when God starts moving, the enemy tries to disrupt that, right? So show that picture of Cindy's consignment again. You notice those are apartments above Cindy's consignment, right? <laughs> Janie, did you not say that you used to live in one of those apartments? Behind. Okay. Well, let me tell you a little funny story about this place. We got kicked out of this place. Can you imagine? What? Evicted. Evicted. A letter in the mail. It was nice. It said, sorry, you've got to be out of here by... 30 days. 30 days. That's exactly what it said. But I don't know why they would have kicked us out, because in the middle of me preaching one, one Sunday night, if you can imagine, I'm standing down here and above me, all I hear is, quiet down there. You guys got to be quiet. So then one night, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, a guy comes to the door, and he is cussing and ranting and raving, and you can imagine, we were a little bit loud. We had 150 high school kids, and we, oh, let me tell you all the time we bought a drum set. <laughs> we went to rent, party rental, whatever you go, we rent your thing. Music well, go round. Music go round, I'm telling you. Kevin, I feel your pain today, bro. Uh, but we went there. We, we got some drums. We set them up. We were so excited to have a set of drums. Literally, we started with a TV on the back wall, and it, we played YouTube videos. And we praised and worshiped, hey, with YouTube videos before. So come on. You can worship God no matter what the circumstances. But I remember we put those drums in, and they started, this boy said he could play. Well, he was one of those playing those screamo bands. He started beating on them drums. I mean... All hell broke loose upstairs. <laughs> After about 15 minutes, I said, okay, it's time for the drums to go back to music, go around. No more drums for that period of time. But then we bought electric ones. We did buy that? some electric <laughs> drums, so uh, it was pretty good. But, um, but here's the thing about it. When he starts to disrupt, you know, we got a th uh, notice to be out in 30 days, and we got kicked out. And, you know, we had some pastors and some people around us that said, you'll never make it. First of all, you know, you don't really have any education and, and your past is kind of, kind of keeping you from what you need to be doing. And also, how are you going to sustain a ministry with kids? Come on, we got to have tithes and offerings. This is, our, this is our time for we take up our tithes and offerings again. No, uh, but you're going to have to take up tithes and offerings. And how are you going to sustain that with kids? With 15 and 16-year-olds. Yes, we yeah. did it. 
Well, here's what we did. We just kept being faithful. We kept doing what God said to do. And that first year, we fasted more than we ate. I look back at pictures, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like skin over bones. Uh, I wish I, we had that picture. Give me some motivation. We kind of wasted away a little bit. But you know what? The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. So what that means, come on somebody, right? So what that means is it didn't matter that we were fasting every 42 days. Every other month. <laughs> but it didn't matter that we were giving up food. It didn't matter that we were giving up our time. It didn't matter that we were giving up of our own personal finances to help some kids to go out to eat at Taco Bell afterwards, that was our big nightly outing, Taco Bell, because it was cheap. And we had to pay Half for a lot of Half of them never kids. had money. You know, it was like, oh, okay, we're really hungry. I said, we yeah. have any money? No, so we taco, yeah, about yeah. 10, 10 tacos for a dollar were great. So what, uh, what that means is, you know, I can sacrifice everything in the world, but... If I'm not obedient to his voice, that sacrifice is not going to matter. So when God calls you to a fast, it's not about what you're sacrificing. It's about what God's doing in that season. And that year, God did a lot in us. It, it created our identity. It, it uh, helped to build us. And Matthew 25, 21 says... The master was full of praise. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you more responsibilities. Congratulations. You've taken care of these young people so well, and you've stewarded them. So now we're going to let you plant a church for the whole family. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but there were many times that we would have prayer meetings and invite the young kids out, and it was just Pastor Rich and I planted on different walls, um, just praying. Sorry. Um, <laughs> she didn't turn her notifications off. She's I don't know how to do this new iPad, and so my phone's ringing down there on silent, and it's ringing up here. So if you hear that, my apologies. So, but what what would you do if? You're the only person that's showing up to do what God called you to do. Are you still going to do it? We just kept being faithful. People didn't understand us. They didn't get behind the vision. It was frustrating. Our feelings got hurt. My feelings got hurt because I kind of wear my heart on my shoulder sleeve a little bit. Um, uh, uh, but here's what's so cool. We kept being faithful. We kept showing up. We know the vision that God gave us for people and for this city, and that's what we did. The struggle was real. It was real. But through it all, God was the one that was faithful. So as we went through the struggle and we uh, went through many times, we felt like we were all alone, all by ourselves. And uh, we went through a transition period of a couple years looking for a place. We were looking for a place because we knew God had birthed something. We would have people show up to the refuge services, adults, and say, hey, when are you going to do this for us? Mm -hmm. You know, when are you going to do this for mm -hmm. people, us seasoned people? You know what I'm talking about? You got any seasoned people in the house this morning? 
Okay, come on. But when are you going to do that for us? So we kept looking. So one day, uh, Brian is over here. He does our t He did a lot of our T-shirts. And I pulled in the parking lot and went back there. And I said, man, he said, are you still looking for a place? I'm, I said, yeah, we've looked everywhere. We had looked at on Hurt. We'd looked everywhere. And so uh, he said, well, how about the bingo hall right around the corner? So I did, it looked like it had people in it. So I went around there, and I, and I peeked my head in. You couldn't hardly see. The windows were so dirty. You couldn't tell what was going on. And finally, he had a key to it. So as soon as I walked in here, show some pictures of, of what this thing looked like. That's the second location. Never mind, in, in Mount Washington, Mark, we got off a little bit. That's the second place we went to, which is right across from Goins Automotive. We were there for about two years, too. But this is what this, look, don't you love the multicolor here? Look at that. Oh, it only shows two. You're not seeing the mint green and the lavender. Oh, there you, well... And that beautiful floor, which I will get to here in just a moment. But yeah, when I walked in this place, the first thing I saw, though, was wide open spaces. I mean, I was like, uh, dang, you know, um, this place right here, you can't see it from the outside. I had somebody walk in here the other day and said, can I look inside? And they wanted to come around the curtains. They're like, I can't believe how big this place is on the inside. So when I, caught, when I walked in here, I saw it. Then I called him. And he's like, well, uh, I'm going to give you my best Barry Smith here. I said, hey, what are you asking for this place? And he gave me an amount. And he says, I don't know if y'all be able to afford what I'm, I'm afraid. I mean, I'm thinking he's getting ready to save $10,000 like a all month. The others. And he gave me a price and I went, yes. We'll think about it. I said, well, think about it. Let me get with my board. At the time, I didn't have a board. <laughs> So I said, we'll think about it, and we'll get back to you. Well, it was a phone call to her next, gave her, told her what he told us he would uh, monthly, and she's like, let me come and look at it. When she walked in, tell them what you thought about when you walked in. I was like, oh, heck no. You see all these colors? You see these floors? No. It's all open. What are we going to do with that? Who was your next phone call? I forgot. Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> I said... Say hello to my little friend. No, uh, Bobby. I said, hey, Bobby, I've got a little job for us to do. And uh, he walked in, and he looked at me. Uh, it was about a year later of us spending 12 hours a day. I'm not going to get on her part. Of just spending here, we had more than just a little job. But we decided in Mount Washington, the second location, we were so excited that when we got that place, it needed a new floor. So we actually raised $1,600 to put new carpet Woo. in that other place. Yay, $1,600 on youth ministry. We did it. I was so proud of that carpet. I walked in. I, I even laid on it a couple of times, just put my face down on it, said, this is so awesome. Listen, for the reason, one of the reasons why we didn't have chairs in the early days. Right. Everybody sat on the floor. Six months later. Uh, try like three weeks. Somewhere in the area of three weeks to six months later, several red polar pops later, that new carpet looked like trash. I mean, we scrubbed it, we cleaned it, we did everything we could to it. So when we pulled in here, you couldn't see the, the red tile that was on the floor. We just decided there wasn't going to be no carpet in this place. And so there, you got some great, nice concrete down there. <laughs> but we mopped and we scrubbed our guts out on this floor. Well, we mopped because we painted the ceilings. We had them sprayed. Yeah, you we know learned what a happened. lot through the transition. All of the spray ended up on the floor, so we were trying to mop up the spray for like two weeks, right, Isaac? We were mopping, scrubbing, sweating. 
no AC in here as, at, at that time. So it was And a so bit what more. happened? Well, because you got to understand, it wasn't just tile. It was red tile. It was white tile. It was whatever other kind of tile that they wanted to put down here. That's what it was. So we mopped it, and, uh, every, and then we ended up scraping the floors. Can we get that picture up there? Look at, look at that. Hey, let me just tell you about some stuff that went on that day. We had a whole room full of people in here, and we were scraping the floors, and we would wheelbarrow it out, and I had to show Trey what a man was like. <laughs> Trey, you remember us ramping that wheelbarrow up into the back of that dumpster, right? And I had to show him how powerful I was, but we were ramping that, and we scraped every inch of this place. But what we didn't see is there was three layers of tile in here. You got the first layer up, and you were thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome, until you hit the second layer. Then you hit that third layer that had been probably laid down here for how long, Bobby, would you say, 50 years or 60 years? There was some of it that came up pretty easy, and there was some of it that came up very hard. But this floor was layered three deep, and you could see the history in this building just by looking at the layers. And many of us are like that. We have a history. We have a past. We're all layered up, and I'm, come on, we're all layered up, and I'm not talking about Ralphie on Christmas Story where he can't move, but we're layered up, and, and Carl Sandburg said this. He said, life is like an onion. You peel it off one layer at a time, and sometimes you weep. We all have layers of depression. We all have layers of guilt and, and regret and even anger. And layers can build up over time. They can, you, know, you can have angry outbursts and you can isolate yourself. You can be depressed. And sometimes you can even get sick. But I saw this quote. It said, accepting the, the reality of our broken, flawed lives is the beginning of our spirituality. Not because the spiritual life, listen, will remove our flaws, but because we let go of seeking perfection. We instead seek God, the one who is present in our tangled up lives. Listen, we need to praise God. We need to thank God each time he peels back another layer. Yeah. Even though it hurts, we need to praise God and thank him every time he, he takes the brokenness out of our lives, even though it brings us to tears. Let me, I wrote this down. Pain can either propel you or it can paralyze you. Wow. You can either go forward in it or you can stay in the same place that you've always been. It's a choice, and you have to understand what you need to do with that choice. And, and sometimes you get rid of the layers. It requires you to be open to God, and that's hard. Look at Psalms 139. This is David. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. This is David, a man after God's own heart. Point out anything in me that offends you woo, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Listen, during that time, we did a lot of soul searching. During that time, we did a lot of peeling back of the layers, both physically and spiritually. But again, it was a lot of hard physical work. Can I get an amen who helped in here? I remember that Three summer before we launched. <laughs> we would be up here, I'm not exaggerating, 8 to 12 hours a day. Blood, sweat. Many days I'd cry and say, do I have to come back here tomorrow? It was an enormous undertaking for three people and a bunch of teenagers to get a church ready to launch for the whole family. Um, but during that time, I want everybody to know today that I painted. If you see anything painted in this building, I did it. She painted everything. I trimmed every wall. I painted, rolled every wall, 
at least once. Some of them a couple more times. And since then, we've hired somebody to do it. Uh, but I want you to know what was so special about painting over some of these walls was these young people believed so much in what God was going to do that there is scriptures and there is affirmations that they sat and wrote on these walls. This ministry was birthed from a place of prayer and out of the word of God. Most of all, this place was birthed from a place of prayer. And Every day while we were painting and working, we were praying. And some of that time, I was praying while being rolled around on the scaffolding, getting to the next place. We kind of felt like Nehemiah, working with one hand and fighting with the other. But here's the difference between Nehemiah and us. We weren't fighting against people coming after us. We're fighting against culture. We're fighting for souls. We're fighting to do something different than we've ever done before or that church in Louisville, Kentucky has ever done. We wanted a place that said when you pull into the parking lot and walk through the doors, welcome home. We believe at Big Church that you can belong before you behave. We don't care what your past looks like. We care where you're going in the future. Now, listen, let me make it super clear. You can't just come and get saved and say, okay, I can go back to that life. No, you've got to be better every single day. And the only person you're competing against is yourself. But we wanted people to feel like they were important and they belonged. And we also believe around here that you can belong before you even believe. It's not our job to clean people up. It's our job to love people and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. Amen. And I think a lot of times we get in our minds and, and we begin to think, well, do you know what they did? And fill in the blank, whatever it is. So what? We're going to love them and let the Holy Spirit clean them up. I believe that we've got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Because that's really when we get further away from God, when we start nitpicking everybody else. Go ahead. I've said this before, too. Um, you know, I, I was raised very religious, so I would look at people through the lens of, oh, my gosh, I can't believe them, or I can't believe this. Oh, my goodness. Man, over that couple years period of time, over the refuge period of time, even the first few years of, well, God's still working on me. But, I mean, I could, I've started seeing people through a different lens. Because uh, whenever I would start seeing that judgmental side kind of pop up, the Holy Ghost would go, don't you remember? Yeah, you didn't have that problem, but you had that problem. Right. Yeah, you're going to judge him or her for that problem. Don't you remember what I delivered you from out of that? Changed my whole perspective of how we're to deal with people, you know. And again, she said, you know, we don't want you to stay where you're at. We're wanting to propel you. But God changed our hearts and our minds a lot during that time. So you hear us say all the time, it's back on the wall in the cultured room. The best is yet to come. Yes, blow that on. 
again. Let's do it. Yes. And you guys, we still believe that. You know why we believe it? Because it's the word. The word says that we go from glory to glory and faith to faith. So let's quit worrying about where we're going and let's just step into everything that God has for us. Like last week, we get all bent out of shape, you guys, feeling like we're not qualified. Good, I'm glad you're not qualified. Let's just keep suiting up and showing up and doing what God tells us to do. And the best is yet to come. Now, you guys, we do have to steward what God's doing right now. We can't go, oh, wow, Holy Ghost is showing up. People are getting delivered. The people are at the altar. Things are happening. People, souls are being one to the one that have died for them. But at the end of the day, we can't just come in here and take that lackadaisical. We've got to come in and we've got to steward what God is doing. That means we better be prayed up. We better be read up. We better be loving and serving everybody so that he can continue to show up. The best is yet to come. Because ultimately, God, man, she had some coffee this morning too, didn't she? Because ultimately, God's plan is to bring us back home. You know, we were separated back in the garden. We were separated from sin, and we made choices. Now, maybe you say, I didn't make that choice, but there was a choice that was made that's affected us from the very beginning all the way to now. And that choice separated us from God. And so when God said, I've got a mission for you, Jesus, to do what I've called you to do, he sent him here because he knew what we needed. Mm -hmm. And he sent his son into our mess. You know, the Bible says he didn't wait till we had it all together. We didn't, he didn't wait till, he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we had it all together because you know what? He'd still be waiting on a lot of us, right? Amen, even me. Even me, I said that, that's awesome. But God sent his son into our mess and Jesus experienced the same things that we went through. He was tired, he was hungry, he was tempted, he was forsaken. And listen to John 3, 16. Y'all should be able to quote this one backwards, forwards, in between. But he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, do I see a whole room full of whosoever's in here? Come on, lift your hands if you're a whosoever. Let me just tell you something. It's not just about the whosoever's that are in this house. It's about the whosoever's that are out there at your job, out there at Kmart, listen to me. Kroger is what I meant to say. But we have some whosoever's that are everywhere right now. He spared his best He didn't spare his best. He gave everything to us. And on this birthday, since he gave his best to us, let's give him what he died for. You know what that is? That's you and me. That's us. Because we are his prized possession. And when God says, I'm calling you home, the Bible says when Jesus said it is finished, it said he tore the veil. He opened up access to God and he said, come on home. Come on home. I don't care where you've been, just like the prodigal son. I don't care what you, how dirty you are. I don't care where you've been. Just come on home the way you are, and I'll open, I'll open my arms up to you. Go ahead and stand. Now I want you to go ahead and close your eyes and just get into a place where you can hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Block out 
the noise. Block out what anybody might be thinking of you. And just fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, the Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. All we have to do is believe in our heart, have faith in our heart, and confess with our mouth, and then he saves us. He writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. He gives us salvation. And we enter into a relationship with him. And what a relationship with the Lord looks like, it's the same as with your spouse. It's the same as with your children. It's the same as being with a friend. You spend time with them. And although Jesus is not sitting in your living room or in your bedroom or in your car or wherever you choose to spend time with him, it's you talking to him. Prayer. Talking just like you would talk to your friend. It's knowing his word. It's reading the Bible and letting it take root in your heart. Till one day you're sitting with somebody and you begin to give advice and it becomes the word bubbling up out of your belly. And when that happens, <laughs> his word doesn't return void. So whatever you're asking God to do for you, for your family, for your friends, for your church, for your job, for this nation, whatever it is, when you begin to pray his word back to him, yeah. it does not return uh, void. Right. And so today, I'm asking you to get out of your comfort zone and just be led by the Spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear or nudging you to do, or if you're, you got those butterflies in that like uh, pit in the, in the middle of your belly, that is the Holy Spirit moving on your life right now. And so I'm just gonna ask you to surrender a little bit. Just take your mind off your own thoughts and what other people are gonna think. Take your mind off of I don't know if I can do this. You can't. That's why you need him. That's, That's why you need him. Yeah. That's why you got to get in relationship because you'll never be able to do it on your own. And to get into that daily walk with the Lord. So I don't know what Holy Spirit is asking you to do today whether it's to recommit your life, whether it's to clean up your thoughts, clean up your heart, because out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. If it's, maybe it's to clean up what you're thinking. We can't have stinking thinking and following the one who can do anything in and through us. Lord, we surrender to you today. Have your way in our lives going to ask you to step out if he's speaking to you and I want you to come down front so Pastor Rich and I can lay hands on you and pray go ahead and begin coming as they start to sing
Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon. Thank you.